Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today and coming onto the podcast with Tea with Nikki. And I'm just going to kick it off with the first question. So by trade, you consider yourself a pleasure and sexy skills educator. So can you please tell us what it is that you do exactly and what does a pleasure and sexy skills educator mean? Thank you for asking this and starting with that. So the world of sexual health uh, it is very vast and it has actually taken me a little while to come up with like a title that characterizes exactly what that is without being misleading. And like it's taken me a while to really know my place in the industry. OK, so you've got you've got sex therapists, you've got sexual health doctors, you've got sex coaches and those people do fabulous jobs but what I really do focus on is building the confidence and learning techniques to develop competence which also built on the confidence so really helping and I work mostly with women just teaching them to feel more confident in the bedroom and learn how to receive pleasure learn about like the truth of their pleasure the anatomy of their pleasure and some skills along the way so yeah that is where that is what I mean by that pleasure and sexy skills Ah, fabulous. And how did you find that you were drawn to want to become, uh, you know, a sex educator, pleasure and sexy mm-hmm. skills educator? Because I remember you mentioned that once upon a time you were in marketing and recruitment. So it's quite a divergent to go. Yeah, definitely is. It is a divergent path um, and one that has made me almost unemployable in many places. And I've made peace with that. Um, You know, it's been a calling. It's been something that I was drawn to. Um, I was always that friend that people with with these kind of things I've always been very open and honest about my own experiences not shy to talk about them and it's just yeah created a safe place for people to come to me about um and because it has been like a fascination of mine for like as long as I can remember I just happen to have read loads of books studied loads of journals courses training spoken to loads of people so I just gathered a lot of sexual health knowledge over the years and it's it felt really natural that although my skills came from marketing um, and um, business management it might seem like a strange a strange coupling but actually the two have really been beneficial and yeah I've been able to use my skills in the world of sexual health and I, I love it so much. And how long have you been in the world of sexual health now? as well so pretty much since I moved here so it's been about eight years that I've been um dabbling and then becoming more like deeper within in the industry um it started out really as a hobby alongside my work that I was just I created a Facebook page back in, in 2012 um and that was really just supporting women and sharing content that I needed at the time so I was going through my own healing journey um and it started out that I wasn't super honest about how much pleasure was involved in my journey um it was more like setting boundaries and speaking your truth and all of that is true but the way that I learned a lot of that was actually in the bedroom um and it took a lot of confidence for me to kind of admit that um that my lived experience is that so much of my healing and growth has been through lessons I've learned in bed (laughs) okay so you're saying that you had this sort of sexual awakening and it led to healing so Can you explain how that your sexual awakening or, you know, discovering your sexuality was used to heal yourself, actually? Yeah, so I think to answer that question, I would need to like go back in time a little bit. So um, as a young girl, 
there were certain boundaries crossed in my childhood and there was a lot to unpack with with having a body of a woman as well so like I developed very young I was nine years old when I started my period I've had boobs for my whole entire life as long as I can remember and that has been something to something that I've had to make peace with and something that I've had to navigate people's advice on um and yeah I mean I was shut down you know young I was kind of you know she's looking like a woman we need to kind of control that or um it caused certain boundaries to be crossed that's kind of how I'll put it um and it made it made it so that I didn't feel safe in my body I didn't feel that I had um advocacy over my body it kind of felt like this thing that was developing out of control that made life more dangerous for me in a way you know it made life more dangerous it made me more vulnerable it made women react to me in a certain way like negatively it just made things unsafe it made things scary um and so I had a real disconnect from myself in a very uncomfortable phase um and growing up I actually was independent very young I was kind of removed from my home forcibly almost um age 17 so I was independent and supporting myself from a very young age and um through that period of time I also let people use my body like I just totally just there was no like I didn't value myself I didn't have boundaries I just let people use me you know I mean I was a willing participant to a point but from an adult perspective I can see that those those scenarios were problematic um but I definitely learned a lot through those interactions you're left afterwards just feeling like actually what do I think of myself it it confronts you like the reality of what you're going through and I think a lot of people might resonate that they had a kind of a hoe phase that's kind of how I everyone's had most people have had a hoe phase Yeah, it's not necessarily a correct term, but it definitely just captures what it was. Um, You get the idea. But in those moments, like it wasn't an empowering phase for me. It was a rock bottom phase. Like how low, how, how badly am I going to allow myself to be treated? What is it going to take for me to speak up for myself? Do I really value myself that poorly? You know, I, I just, it made me confront that in myself. Like really? what are you worth I became like very protective of myself and my sexuality um and went into a relationship with my first husband where I then didn't again I still didn't speak up for myself but Mm. I it was obviously a, a protected situation a monogamous marriage situation that felt safer and I definitely played the act of being the good wife um not purposefully it wasn't something that I consciously did but I definitely played the part in the bedroom um didn't advocate for my pleasure and then my pleasure became something that I would just develop on my own the the pendulum swung back too far the other way and at no point did I actually connect to who I was and and actually what my body wanted or what my body was capable of um yeah strangely I would say that if we are going to talk about an awakening one of the pivotal moments for me in really realizing the power of my body was my birth so two birth experiences that were I never heard of the word ecstatic or orgasmic birth until recently maybe a couple of years ago and I wouldn't say my birth I've never heard orgasmic. of that either that's very interesting okay I've heard is no than the the, the good and the negative of it, but I've never heard <laughs> orgasmic. So yeah, yeah. 
Indulge it's me. amazing. So my birth experience was not orgasmic. I have to just say that, but um, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> there is a movement towards women who actually are stimulating themselves um, sexually during birth wow. because pain can be, you know, pleasure can really um, interrupt the pain signals um, and I mean the spasm of orgasm can also support the actual birth like it's actually like mind-blowing and, and amazing so I wouldn't mine wasn't as far as that but my birth experience was a beautiful transition like a portal for me that I went really in my head I was lucky enough to have a trainee midwife who wasn't very hands-on and she let me do what I want because I'm not I'm still not very good at like standing up for myself all the time, especially if a doctor or a midwife says lie down on the bed. I wanted to be standing. I really wanted to be standing. And, and I delivered my first son standing up, okay. <laughs> which is so crazy. Through the two births, they were beautiful experiences of me being silent inside of my body. Literally, my second birth was silent. I didn't make a sound. Um, and I just trusted, like there was this trust, calm, that I just discovered within myself, like, wow, I can do this. Actually, I don't need to be told what to do. I don't need to have intervention. It just so happened that those two experiences for me happened to let me trust my body and things worked in, in, in a beautiful way. And I had two great births. Almost, they were very close together as well, like 18 months between them. And um, considering my height and my shoe size is three, I was told, and I had big stickers on my pregnancy notes saying, I will not be able to give birth vaginally. Um, and I did. Wow. Well, good <laughs> for you. You proved like, them wrong. Thank you. And it felt like a, a, it felt like a victory. Like I felt like, wow, like my body actually is amazing. And then like I breastfed them and that it just helped me reconnect to my body. It helped me to just get back to my raw womanhood and trust myself understand my worth without doubt you know it just was a portal for me that transformed me and yeah definitely awakened me sexually as well because I realized like this body is amazing I was gonna <laughs> ask I just, if you could yeah. please share you know three tips on how someone who's perhaps shy or awkward embarrassed about their sexuality how they can become more comfortable in their own pleasure but maybe one of those tips if, it, if it's not pregnancy <laughs> and <Yeah>. giving birth <laughs> Yeah, you know, okay, so this isn't this isn't going to be one of the three tips because this is still another big thing that I did. This is what I just want to share before I go into those tips is um, stripping away the layers of identity. Um, and you can do this in lots of ways. So what I mean by that is we have an idea of what a sexy person is or what a sexually confident person is. We all have in our minds an idea of what that looks like. So even now, if you think about it, what does a sexually confident person look like? And then we then have a vision of ourselves and there's often a disparity between, do we live up to that standard of sexiness? Do we act like the sexy people? And when we think about what it looks like to be sexy in bed, the majority of us will consider, we'll probably think about porn because we don't get to experience what people look like in bed in real life, right? I know, I've, and, I've, uh, I've spoken with, sorry to interrupt you, um, but I've, I've spoken with friends about it, about like, have you filmed yourself before? And like, I can't fathom the thought of seeing myself. <laughs> and it's like, I have this idea in my head and I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> So just talking about like you have this idea <laughs> and mm. like you can bring yourself to I'm like I don't want to confront my reality. <laughs> yes, 
don't want to see what my face looks like. I mean, I know of people who are literally don't want to have sex with their partner because they don't like their sex face. They don't like their orgasm face. They're embarrassed about it. So it's a real thing. Like there's a, that real like pressure to look a certain way. And what we often forget or just fail to really appreciate is that porn is entertainment these are like the most that's like comparing yourself to a movie star in everyday life it's literally like that they are actors and actresses and what they do and the positions they they get into you know maybe they've practiced maybe they work out specifically to do that particular thing and it puts pressure on all of us when we try to use it as education but if we could just use it as entertainment but the thing is that then becomes the holy grail of what we aspire to be like in bed But in real life, bedroom stuff is messy and funny and awkward. Fear of expressing yourself naturally can cause you to hold back in the bedroom. And that erodes confidence, that massively erodes confidence. So that's what I mean about peeling away the layers of your identity. So I mean, taking off the mask of performance sex and taking off the mask of being a good wife, taking off the mask of being a hoe, like whatever mask you've put on yourself, actually inside you are a very complex, beautiful concoction of the sexual being because we are all humans, we are all sexual beings. Yes, some of us identify as asexual, that's valid. But for so many of us, we we actually are this like melting pot of stuff, but we can't get to it because there's layers of shame there's layers of conditioning and there's this self this self-concocted mask that we want to keep wearing so one of the things that I did in my sexual awakening after um, my first marriage ended was actually I did a ritual <laughs> this is going to sound very witchy um there's a book witchy. called <laughs> okay, good good it's called descent to the dark goddess um I will send you a link so you can add it in the show notes if you like um and it's a seven part ritual with a whole book connected to it. it's actually really powerful and it follows the storyline of um Inanna the descent of Inanna into the underworld where she goes to meet her sister and as she makes her way through as she makes her way down to the underworld she has to go through seven gates I don't even think I'd talk about this even I didn't <laughs> I love that we're here though we're here now <laughs> We're here. We're here. The witchy stuff of sexuality. And as she approaches each gate, she has to relinquish an item of power. So she is like a warrior. She has to give up like her her spear and her breastplate and her necklace and her, her robe every time to get closer to the center of the underworld. Okay. And then so by the time she makes her way to the chamber, she is naked. There's nothing of her left, nothing that represents her her strength or whatever all of the all of the pieces that give her authority in the un, like in the real world have been removed and when she reaches that chamber her sister actually kills her and hangs her body on a hook which is lovely I did not see that huh? <laughs> I was like oh here we go okay no blindsided blindsided and yet although she is dead it's more like her death of the old self there is still a rebirth to come so she is rebirthed through like crumbs and through like these two little tiny creatures that are sent there by a god. And essentially she is rebirthed through the act of awareness and listening, right? And then 
through like listening to her, whatever is left, whatever remains, like listening to the grief and the rage. And so this book takes you through that process and you are required to, you can, I mean, you can do this in an hour if you want, or you can do it over a weekend, but you are essentially putting down objects that are meaningful to you and removing aspects of your personality, just metaphorically, um, to see what is left. I actually did this whole process and I relinquished the idea of being a mother. I relinquished the idea of being a wife. I relinquished the idea of everything that I held, everything that held importance to me about my personality that I was proud of. I relinquished, I imagined relinquishing and I sat with that feeling. And when I finally got to that core place of kind of a, a spiritual death, if you like, I, I sobbed and grieved that, you know, and and then made peace with that. Then you reclaim all of those aspects again, but you look at each thing you're reclaiming with a new light. A big piece of that, a big piece of what I let go was my sexuality as somebody that hadn't really learned how to own this gift of having a very feminine body and having like this power and having this pleasure potential something that I hadn't really got to grips with hadn't really understood that gift and when I reclaimed it I reclaimed it in a more empowered way wow I'm thinking okay so I need a book a weekend and do this dark goddess (laughs) it just sounds insane wow it's it's really coming back to you know, the basics, coming back to basics, who you are, the core of yourself. And I mean, it also doesn't, ha- it does, I mean, it doesn't have to be a sexuality thing. It just, obviously that was something that became a part of you. Okay, so coming back, top three tips for someone who's shy, embarrassed or awkward about their sexuality. Okay. So yeah, people don't have to get divorced, have a baby or go through a whole ritual. And, and do a dark <laughs> goddess ritual. Yeah, that's just what I did. That was my journey. Um, but okay, so there are three tips that I have for your, your listeners to help them to feel more confident in the bed. Um, so the first one is actually starts outside of the bedroom. Um, and that is to practice the skills that you need in the bedroom outside of the bedroom okay so that is in a less pressured environment so the skills that I think are really important are communicating and like being able to say yes and no being able to receive a no from somebody and just being able to receive attention right receiving compliments receiving help so practice receiving help okay that is it practice if someone gives you a compliment practice saying thank you yeah. that in itself can be revolutionary um so yeah every, what what stops you in the bedroom is it that you suddenly get an idea that oh no what if my vulva smells funny or tastes funny if that's what it is then practice getting to know your vulva outside of the bedroom look at it touch it taste it for goodness sake you'll see it's actually totally normal and it's not supposed to smell and taste like roses it does have a taste and it's okay right so Practice whatever is keeping you holding back, whatever's holding you back in bed, you'll know what it is. Practice working on that outside of the bedroom. So that's my first tip because these skills are transferable. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is practice self-pleasuring. <laughs> it's really important because how will you know what you like? Mm-hmm. How will you know what you like? How will you be able to direct your lover? Um, And how will you know, like, 
some people, like I said, feel nervous about letting go in the moment of orgasm. Like you will know what to expect to a big degree if you've done it yourself, you know? Yeah. So self-pleasuring just helps you get used to that feeling, that feeling of arousal building, the feeling of orgasm, the feeling of being touched in different ways, in different places. And it just helps you to build a feeling of safety in your body, mm. especially if you've had past trauma. Um, you might notice that when somebody touches you in a certain way that actually you kind of feel triggered or emotional or very vulnerable. Um, and that can be trauma through um, sexual abuse. It could be in medical things. It could be birth. It could be any different things that can cause trauma in the pelvic region. It could be periods. It could be someone's comment that they made once that just sticks with you. So by being alone and practicing self-pleasure alone with a mirror, if you can, I mean, that's like double points. Um, it can just help you to get comfortable with those feelings that come up as you're touching yourself. And my third tip, if you're feeling really shy and there's something you're curious about trying is to go online and download a yes, no, maybe list. These are great tools in the bedroom. You look like you resonate or you know about those. I've, I've seen it. I think I saw it on your page. That's why. That's why I know. And it's like, yes, to try and say like bondage or like, yes, yeah. no, or toys. Yes, no. Or like role play. Like, yes, no. So is that what you're talking about? Yes, no. Exactly. Problem. Yeah. So you can either download one or you can make your own. And so each person individually as yes, no, or maybe to a whole load of different sexual activities. And so the no's are hard boundaries. The yeses are green lights and maybes are something to work with. And you might be surprised at what comes up. So that can be easier than just having a conversation. Um, and it does require trust because it's vulnerable to say, yes, actually, I'd really like you to do this to me. And, you know, you then you, you're, you might be scared that, that your partner is going to judge you. But by making it a safe space and it's all about exploration and going on this adventure together, then yeah, it's a, it's a great tool. It's a great tool for opening those conversations. Oh, those are great three tips. Also like that, you know, the foundation of it is really just starting outside the bedroom as well, because I mean, the communication factor is so important because it has to translate through the rest of the tips. Mm. So that's really powerful. Thank you. And then I also believe that you are offering a free masterclass to unlock your pleasure. So where can mm. the listeners find this? How can they get in touch with you for more to experience their sexual awakening? Okay, so yes, you're right. It's a four-part master series or masterclass series called Unlock Your Pleasure. It's on the front page of my website. So go to inbedwithlisa.com, sign up and you get instant access to the four videos. They are designed to help you kind of get out of your head. Then there's one to help you get, you know, get more into your body. And there's one on communication and myth busting. So it's a lot of lots of info spread across four videos. And then the final question, which I ask all the guests that come on is what does feminine leadership mean to you? Being able to, to lead from your truth, from being able to speak truly and, and being at peace in your heart with what you're saying so that there's no regrets, so that you're not wearing the mask. Like I'm really conscious of being me in all scenarios. And I think we need that. We need people to take off the mask because we need to see more of their heart. And I think feminine leadership really is that for me. Amazing. So now we're going to move into the ABC segment. 
Um, and it's normally the ABCs of your career. I have changed the B for you just a little bit, but we'll get to that in a minute. So starting okay. with A, what was your amazing aha affluent moment in your journey? Mm. So I would say for me, this is when I realized how I could put the pieces of my experience and learning and qualifications together to create the, the career of my dreams. Um, lots of people have complimented me on my ability as a teacher. Um, and I didn't really see how everything could fit together. Not only do I work as a sex educator, but I also work a lot within the more political side of sexual health um, as a communications manager and copywriter. So I kind of network in the world of sexual health and bring experts in, learn from them, share their findings as well in my educator role. So I love to teach, but I also love to like meet other people who've got skills I don't and bring them and raise their voices too. But it took a long time for me to figure out how it could all work and, and it just does. So yeah, that was my aha moment. That's amazing. And B, so I usually ask um, my guests, what well, was a business blunder turned to blessing? But because of the conversation that we've had, I would really like to ask you, what was a bedroom blunder turned to blessing? <laughs> okay. <laughs> So the bedroom blunder turned blessing that is coming to my mind is in the early days of my relationship with my now husband. Okay. And it happened while we were long distance and we were still really trying to navigate who we are in this new relationship. And, you know, the, it was a very new relationship. There was no commitment to each other even. So we were trying to like work out who are we and what do we want out of a relationship and we both had real similar goals that we wanted to like be adventurous and we wanted to learn about ourselves, but still kind of like, oh, like don't want to freak this person out and don't want to do anything too embarrassing kind of thing. Until he like literally took, he, did, he literally went off the rails and tried to like penetrate himself with a toy without any preparation. There was no foreplay involved. I don't even think there was lube. Maybe there was. Anyway, the result was, hilarious because it wouldn't come out because it he like reacted and like <gasps> his his body was like what are you doing <laughs> so it was quite a huge reaction and the reason I say that this is a blessing was because it literally meant like all bets were off we could be ourselves it was no judgment like he he just was brave enough to just do that and the reaction from us both was humor and shared shared experience a story to share learning and and so it has been a real blessing for us and it was a blunder nobody tried that <laughs> that is one of the best blunders i've heard turned to blessing <laughs> i don't know if you can top that story now because c is for your comical cinematic worthy moment but now I don't know if you can even top your blunder story with that. oh yeah I mean that is a cinematic moment really that is a, um, is a comical okay, no. cinematic moment I have an even better one actually that's just come to my mind oh wow so okay so this <laughs> this was in my early days of finding myself as a, a sexual woman um I decided that it would be really fun to drive to my boyfriend's house wearing nothing but my coat so that I could do a big reveal at the door. <laughs> but it was like a 40 minute drive. And in my, in real life fashion, I regretted it 
I regretted it. I started to question my reasoning, started to doubt myself. Like, is this really going to be sexy? Is this just funny? What if, what if, what if, you know? And when I arrived at the door, I I wouldn't take my coat off (laughs) for about two hours. (laughs) I kept it firmly on, buttoned up. (laughs) And that was quite funny. When I finally did take it off, he was like, oh, what the whole like charade was about yeah that was that was ridiculous so embarrassing actually because he was like oh so you obviously lost your you lost your gumption halfway through but yeah I very much did and I was like I can't believe I've done this here I am in just a coat but anyway (laughs) it was great fun funny to talk about afterwards (laughs) yeah in the moment it's like petrifying and you're so embarrassed and then afterwards you just laugh at yourself and you're like why was I even worried I'm such an idiot exactly yeah that was one of those moments so now we're going to come to the closing portion of the podcast Uh, it's the quick fire question round so just whatever comes off the top of your head um so one if you could change society's mind about one thing when it comes to sexuality what would it be it would be to change the definition of sex because sex doesn't only have to be penetration penis and vagina yeah that would be what I'd love to change and two what is the worst piece of advice you've ever received that boys and men are only going to want me for my boobs like to be aware of that Mm. that was terrible advice that plagued me for years I can imagine that is oh sure that's scarring but then Mm. on the good side of it what is the best piece of advice you've ever received a simple piece of advice actually and I don't even know where it came from but just be yourself like I think it's just just be yourself there's literally no better piece of advice that I could have been given and that, that I live by like that has changed everything for me amazing and because on the platform I talk a lot about books as well and I can see that you're a reader um and the question is if you could live in any book in any book which one would it be so I'm hoping that you read fiction as well. Yes, yes, I do. Not as much as I used to, but I would have to say The Mists of Avalon. So it's like a medieval kind of print King Arthur, but the women are heroes and they're like magical, spiritual, powerful. Like here's the king, but actually they're in charge. Um, and it's set in England. Like it's very magical and whimsical. And I just, yeah, if I could pick a place, that's where I'd be. (laughs) Awesome. And then the last question, three people that you would have over for a dinner party, dead or alive? Mm, Okay. So I think it's going to be a women's only dinner. Fine by me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The first one would have to be a lady called Scotty Unfamous. I don't know if you know her. She is a sexfluencer. She's English. She is absolutely amazing just this beautiful voluptuous massive character that I would really love to get her in a room and just talk to her so she'd have to be on the list she's got the best laugh everyone must go and follow her Scotty Unfamous she's brilliant um S-C-O-T-T-Y Unfamous yes 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 Scotty Unfamous um and then I guess keeping in the theme um Kim Anami she is like the um She's like a vaginal weightlifter. 
she is very famous for working with Yoni eggs. Um, and like, I want to know, like, how do you do stuff like that? Like, how do you pop ping pong balls out of your vagina? Like, how do you do that? Like, really? I feel like I know a lot about vaginas, but like, I feel like she's got some other knowledge that I would it really love. you think of those Thailand ping pong shows. Yes. Well, that is it. She, she just has a different way of approaching this stuff that is like really interesting. So I'd love to have her. Um, and then this one, this lady did pass away last year. Um, Betty Dodson, who is known as the mother of masturbation. Just she also is like I a badass. Name was she on Goop Labs? Yes, Goop? yes, yeah, yes. she was on Goop. Okay. Yeah, that would be a very, very interesting conversation. I think between very those three dinner and... party. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me today. I've had such a great time and um, talking to you about all of this. I have no doubt that the tips and hearing your story and will help so many women and I'm hoping some men to maybe pay attention or you know anyone really to pay attention to their female partners I hope so I really hope so yes and themselves absolutely yeah vulvas are important vulvas are way cool (laughs) (laughs) thank you again I hope that you have a great day and I'll definitely be in touch with you soon thanks Nikki Cheers, Lee.